I love not traveling. And That's people are like, what? You get to travel in hotels? I'm like, bro, trust me. Yeah, it is not think- what you that's what I, you know it's Tony you used to think that too like when I first met you you were like oh no yeah, you get you to first be going met me, I was like 12 <laughs> yeah but you were like oh you get to travel you're going all over doing this and I used to tell you like it's cool yeah but like it's seriously draining like it drains you out physically you, yeah, you miss out on family that. stuff you know it's like Yo, there were some months where I'd be gone like all the time like for several years I always missed Halloween cause yeah, you know they would do that um what was it the uh that green tag sale with like guitar center and all this other stuff and it was all, right. it was always rolling months so whenever <laughs> there was one of those rolling months then i would literally be gone all month wow but you you were like um i remember mike had the first of all everybody wanted the mv8800 we talk Yo, about this chatting, every I'm show about to go live i'm about to start this thing Yo, let me tell you i've never seen somebody obliterate that piece like this dude <laughs> like I'm like what are you flying dude like what I am to machine nigga like you were killing the MV 8800 like ridiculous I had to figure out Bro. like yeah I just I had to figure out you know the ways that you know made it work for me and then like figuring out how because I used an MPC before so and I knew that there was a lot of diehard you know guys that were using it and obviously anytime the conversation you know or the topic would come up you know a lot of guys would get really defensive and so I had to figure out a way to like and I always you know said the same thing it's like I'm not saying that this is better than the MPC you know I'm just showing you a different way right of how you could do stuff and if you like certain things about the NPC, like here's what you can do with it on the MV, you know, and here's how you can do it. You know, the, thing, the funny thing about the MV, it was so time at that time, at that yeah. time, minus having the laptop because you, you, you didn't need the laptop, but you had like the, the, you had the features with the monitor and the whole, it was just, it was totally ahead of its time. It I love, that's one piece that I wish that I had kept. Well, I, I didn't ever get to keep it, but I got to use it in my first, the first NAM that I did, I performed with the MV and I mean, and, but that thing was a tank and it, it was just, the pad response was amazing on that thing. It was a real instrument. It was a real, a real workhorse. It was a tool. It was like, it reminded me like of the 4,000. It's like the 4,000 version of what Roland would come out with, you know? Yeah. I love that piece. Yeah. I, I wish they would redo it again. Well, like, we all do. I don't think it'll like, ever happen though. That would be so No, nah, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, the, there was a lot of uh, yeah. politics and things that were, you know, behind it and, uh, you know, at the time, that's when uh, we were kind of like going into that recession. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there were plans for another, um, you know, machine and, and, you know, looking over it and everything. And, you know, one of the, you know, like the mock-ups and specs and prototypes that I was looking at, it just wasn't on par with what the MV originally was, you know, and I'm talking about it in terms of like the sequencer and things like that. Right. And so, you know, we had to kind of make a decision at that point, like, you know, yo, like this, if we're not going to do it right, then just don't do it. Like leave the legacy of the MV and just leave it alone. Like kind of made that decision. Right. And then with the recession coming and everything else, you know, and things were getting bad then it was kind of like a smart move on that point to just not, 
you know, move forward with it. It's been great. Do you feel that the recession is what killed the whole MV? It was part of it. It, you know, played a part of it because there was, you know, there were a lot of products that were kind of like in the queue, you know, to get done and stuff. And once sales were kind of tanking and the recession and all this other stuff, it it started, you know, make them ponder the question like, well, should we release this like you know stuff right now you know those are all the things that had to go into you know consideration and obviously there was way more to it than than just and and things like that but um it was you know what i was looking at in terms of like the prototype the mock-up and specs and what it was going to look like and how the roadmap was it just wasn't going to be like on par with what i felt the mv you know, should be. And it wasn't just me. There was, you know, a couple of other guys and, you know, and with Vinny at the time, mm. you know, we're just kind of like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think we should move forward with this. Like if oh, that this makes is sense. how you guys want to do gonna, it. If it's not going to stand up to the, the, you know, the standard that MV created, because it was definitely ahead of his time and it was a quality product. And, you know, I would rather it never have come to market rather than come to market half ass. Exactly. And that's, and that's why we made the decision. Like we just told Japan, like, nah, we're not, we're not behind this. Like, this is just way far left of what it should be. And, and we kind of gave them the specs, like it needs to have this, 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 and this don't change this, don't change this. And we just couldn't really agree, you know, on, you know, what it was going to be. And so, you know, the decision was made to just scrap it. Yeah. Now let me ask you something. Like right now, in 2016, do you think what what do you think is equivalent or close to what the MV was doing? <sighs> nothing. Wow. There's nothing. Because <laughs> and and I don't say it because I you know I was working for Roland or anything like that. I'm just right. saying like from a musician standpoint and like if my computer was to shut down right now and. I didn't have a computer whatsoever, nothing. Like, I could go over here and grab my MV and produce a full track down to the mixing and mastering process and actually deliver something. Mm-hmm. It had audio tracks, right? Yeah, it mm-hmm. had audio tracks on it. And a so I could record vocals on, on it. I could essentially do a remix. Like, you know, there's and that and it takes you back to that whole thing of working within limitations. Like, you know, you sometimes come out with a better end product when you're severely limited. And that's why a lot of records in the 90s that I was producing and other guys are still so great and classic to this day because you didn't have all the damn plugins and every single option you had to work with what you had and so there was a lot of limitations and that made you think and really get creative and become a real producer Mm -hmm. software yeah software wasn't doing the shit for you and it's funny that you say that because i I was Corey and i would just talk and then i said to Corey uh, a couple of days ago too and i said i had like i use a bunch of tools and i and i show people what i'm using but like for the first time, like I've completely stripped down my setup, like really stripped it down when it comes to creating. And I've gotten so much stuff done with just less is so much more. Mm-hmm. And just yep. said, okay, I'm, I'm going to commit to this and not go here and not stray off. Okay, let me go here, there, there, there. And because we, you know, we, we, we've been in the business in terms of product specialists and training people and knowing all of this stuff, you get scatterbrained. But mm-hmm. once you just decide to pick one and then just 
like zero in on just the, the creative aspect of it. Like my focus is about the sound more than the tools mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that me makes okay? total sense. Yeah, we can hear you, Ken. So I just wanted to comment on this because um, this topic comes up a lot about the less is more. And Ken's somebody, like, I am not a proponent of that. <laughs> I, 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 it's like, I want everything. Yeah, I, I, I'm the opposite. But I'll say this is somebody made an interesting point to me the other day that the only people who say less is more are the people who have everything. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's true, though. While I totally agree with when I strip everything back and I have and I'm working with less gear, I'm way more productive. I do get way more done. However, it's it's this embarrassment of riches to be able to have the option to say, well, today I'm going to work on an MPC and this is the workflow that I'm going to choose and I'm going to restrain myself to this or today I'm going to work all analog and I'm going to do this, you know, so. But that's part of this little like creative outlet that I have where. You know, some days I'm in a creative mood to just write rhymes or mm-hmm. someday I'm in a creative mood to just work in this type of gear. Someday right. I just want to work in a linear fashion. Some days I right. want to work with every option under the sun and get hardly anything done. But that one thing I get done might be amazing, you know, so. Well, like you well, like you always say, Ken, we're like um, Ken said this in one, one of our shows, Mike, that we're we're special, you know, like <laughs> we're, <laughs> he said we're special. But it comes out like that. Though. Right. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 true. You know, I, I also take it for granted that we are super not just spoiled, but we're all gifted in where we could just say, okay, you know what? Like Mike is like, yeah, I'll just grab my MV and make a record. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and not anybody, not everybody can do that. Like, like someone said to me the other day, what dog do you love? What do you use? What? And I'm just like, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) whatever you like, right. Whatever it is you like, (laughs) you like. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you're right. Ken, I, I take, I, I, I always forget how blessed we are, you know, to be able to just open up Pro Tools, make a record, open up Cubase and can actually have the skill to do that and do it really well. Mm-hmm. But here, you know, here's so, the thing, though, like with that comment about having every the people that say it are the ones that have everything. Right. The thing is. With that, like I've been making records, you know, producing like literally vinyl. And then I say records and I'm not talking about on the digital downloads or mm-hmm. like I'm talking about in the 90s. I was producing records, vinyl that were DJs were playing, you know, house tracks and stuff like that. So, you know, some of my best stuff I did on an Insonic EPS. And here's the real kicker. I didn't even know, like when I started using the EPS, the EPS only had eight tracks Mm -hmm. okay so let me tell you how stupid i was back then and and, (laughs) you know because i didn't know it and there was no videos there was no youtube there was nothing out there to teach you how to use this stuff so out of those eight tracks track one had a kick drum track two Mm -hmm. had a clap Track three had a hi-hat because I didn't even know shit about actually multi-sampling and being able to actually put multiple samples on different keys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you want to talk about stripped back, my records from the mid-90s, early mid-90s were eight 
tracks. Like that straight is up it. eight instruments. Straight up eight <laughs> <Right>. instruments. <laughs> like, and maybe like, I think maybe one module on the side that I kind of figured out how to trigger it, but I would bring the volume in on the mixer in real time and mix the shit in real you know, and, and it would all go through a mixer, a Mackie 16, and that was it. And those records, like, I still have people hitting me up for those tracks. Mm-hmm. And they were any way, shape, or form, be it less gear or more gear. Like, to me, it's it's literally sound like a good artist is going to sound like themselves, regardless of whether I'm using literally just my MPC and a VCR or if I'm using, you know, an entire studio. Like, I'm still going to sound like me. It's just a matter of, you know, is your workflow effective and efficient? You know, to me, that's the much bigger situation. When I strip back and I use less gear, I'm way more efficient. And that's... Well, let me... Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me say this, Ken, you know, to what you're speaking, you know, people who usually have a bunch of gear say less is more. Um, Let's just say people who know how to use all of their gear say less is more because i know a ton of people who have everything mm-hmm. things that i dream of having like i'm i might have a bunch of things like controllers but i know people who have modes and analog gear and sense and all this stuff and can't use one thing really well that's brand. because they've got just too much stuff <laughs> so it's not really about the abundance of things that says hey you know it's the fact that I can use everything I do have. Mm-hmm. Have all this stuff, but if you can't even use what you have, what's the point? That's the major difference between hardware and VSTs. Is when someone goes out and gets a VST, the majority of the time, spending months and years, like really learning just that one year. Whereas, like Mike was saying back then, you know, in PC. Inside that thing every day, eat, sleeping, and that's word. Back in the day with the MPC, that's right. You had that one joint, and and you lived with it. (laughs) Everything you could think to do with it is what you did with it. You find find glitches. You find weird things that it shouldn't do, but it does do. Or you find ways to break it in a certain way that will give you a new feature and that kind of thing. And you know, I I still pull out discs from back in like 2002 on my 2000 XL and to this day I can only play the beat directly as it's loaded you can't export it in any way because if you try to save it or do anything else with it it breaks the glitz that I did in it track it out certain way to get it to sound that same way and it's like people doing that with VSTs unless they're really like a very special well I mean you know I think that also speaks to a, I think that also speaks to a, a generation, okay? And I think it also speaks to the purpose and why people are actually making music these days, right? Like, you know, people say, "Yo, when I got my MP, I just never put it down." You know, I had an EPS also, and I never put the uh-huh. EPS down. You know what I'm saying? That was my first piece, and then the second piece I got was an MPC 2000. Never put that down either, but. I wasn't making beats to get on Instagram. I wasn't making beats to give a shit if you liked my beats. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. I actually loved technology and making tracks, whether no one was in the room. You know, it's really what you do when no one is looking. 
Yeah, that's true. Counts, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, when people are looking, and a lot of these VSTs, and y'all got Fruity Loops, or, and I'm not knocking anybody, you know, you know, whatever your purpose is and your drive is, go for it, whatever makes you happy. But a lot of like you're talking about a time where people didn't know what a studio looked like on the inside, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't public knowledge. Certain, yeah, certain things were just really in it. Now it's kind of like popular. Now it's just a cool thing to say, as opposed to really understanding technology. That's a whole nother. And all of us in this room, we read manuals. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we do this for lunch. Like. But I don't think a lot of honest, I mean, I don't touch manuals because I've always been like where I try to figure out as much as I can before I have to actually touch the manual. Right. And I've kind of always been that way because it's more of an exploratory discovery experience because that's how you come across like that's how I've come across a lot of the happy mistakes. When I say manual, when I say manual, I mean like we could actually create manuals. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I like to do both. You know, we're like manual creators, you know? Fan of like, yeah, of like Mike said, like when you first get the gear, explore it, see what's intuitive to you, see what right find out about it. But then after that, Oh, I always go back and I end up reading the manual. Like to this day, matter of fact, just the other day, I found my first guess sixteen eighty manual, and I don't even have sixteen eighty anymore. But I read all the way through it again because I was like, oh, I remember this. this oh, and, you know, how did this work? And you know, and it's it's always fun to kind of come back and revisit some of that gear that you That's had true. ten years ago, and then find out. Oh, I, I understand so much more now. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Hey, who who we got there? Hey, welcome welcome to the show, Sam. Hey, Super Sam. Hey, what's up? <laughs> what's happening? Sam, man? you sound like you got a bag of ice under your foot. You got a bag of ice under your foot. That's what oh, I sound bad. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh. You were doing some rattling it at, at first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's sorry, all good. <laughs> yeah, I brought my Profit Two Thousand okay. manual. Oh, oh, nice. oh okay. Yeah. Before okay. I, before he's stunting. I, he's stunting now. Before I got here, before I got here, I was going, oh man, how do you, how do you key map? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I, I would say I also prefer not to read the manual, but I think you open yourself to some interesting sound opportunities exactly. if you can't figure out what's yeah. happening and you just go, I bet if I could do this one thing, it would all be great, you know? Well, I mean, well, Mike is Mike is an alien, so Mike <laughs> doesn't really need to read manuals. I well, mean, Mike is the there guy in is all in the, the sessions <laughs> when they're talking about what they're going to put in the thing. I'm the I'm the ghost <laughs> in the machine. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, Mike, yeah, no, I, I, I to... just used to do that because I would always find like stuff that you're not supposed to do with the machine i guess you know Mm -hmm. and then i would actually find something that i liked that sounded good and i really would really wouldn't understand what it was doing but it wasn't until i went back and then i would read the manual and then i would find out what the process was to do a specific thing and then i knew that if i was doing something the opposite way then i would figure out exactly what was happening in the machine like oh if it says to do this but i'm doing this it's causing this mm-hmm. so this is what's happening in the machine and this is what makes this machine unique because other machines don't do it 
And that's where you would find these funky, weird things about certain samplers and certain synths that, you know, to this day, everybody, you know, when you talk to more like established producers that have been around a while doing you know, having worked with all these machines, you'll always hear them say, I still have this machine because mm -hmm. it does X, B, you know, X, Y, Z. And I still keep this machine here because this still does X, Y, Z that no other machine can still do to this day and no software can replicate. Mm -hmm. And you know, can there's just also the, the thing too, there's also a thing too with a lot of the older uh, synths and machines. If you've really lived with them and really dug into them and, you know, had a lot of time using them back in those days, and it, you know where it was like those couple pieces that you were just used to using a lot of times you'll find things on them that wasn't necessarily documented and oh yeah you know what I mean like a lot of little tricks and you'll even hear it now as this whole analog resurgence is happening you'll hear people saying like yeah and if you turn this knob just so at the right thing or hit this button in the middle yeah. of whatever then you'll be able to get this kind of thing that wasn't even a feature but I, no. I did a video like that on the um, on the mini brute because you can set certain toggle switches in between positions mm -hmm. and get full features out of it. Um, and that's it's not really a, a feature of it. It's it's you know you're basically hot wiring the switch, but it's little mm -hmm. stuff like that of just spending a lot of time with a piece of gear that you start to figure out interesting things that like I said you usually don't see that kind of stuff happening with VSTs, you know? Yeah. Let me ask you guys, let me ask you guys something. I have a question for you guys. Like, let me ask you guys a question. I found that, and, and tell me like, if you find this and, and if you've experienced this, when I, when I get a new piece, right? And like, let's just say, for instance, I get, let's just say I'll get a machine. Let's use that as an example. Once I get that machine in my hand, to me, the the excitement and the the, the 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 fire and the drive comes from me figuring it out mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. right? What I've noticed is because you know a lot of people reach out to me, and I know you guys experience the same thing. You have people that never even take it out the box before they ask the question, yeah. right? Yeah. And, right. That's, and, and that's like, <laughs> and and what, what what messes me up is I'm like. Dude, the whole idea about producing and getting this thing out the box and touching it and it's shiny and you about to make music, to me, getting stuck on something and trying to figure it out and figuring it out is like, yes, that's the, that's the, that's the high for me. Yeah. The, I mean, I, the, I don't know about now. Most people now like... Yo, just show me. Just show me. Just tell yeah, the me. Prob the problem is everybody wants to be a fucking superstar in five minutes. Right. That's the big right. problem. Instinct. Nobody instinct. wants to put in work. Yep. Nobody wants to learn everything. Everybody has the everybody right. has the expectation that life is like a fucking iPhone. Yeah. That you press one button and everything just fucking happens. Yeah. But you that's know, where we live, right? This is the microwave work. society and everybody kind of wants it quick. Nobody's willing to really put in the work. And, and it's also kind of, there's a lot of things that contribute to that and just the way our culture is now there's mm. eight million youtube tutorials for every single feature to every single thing whether it's a balloon <laughs> right on down yep. to yep. manicures and pedicures and synthesizers <laughs> you know what i mean and so instantaneously people look at youtube like oh well uh I, I don't see it there i'm gonna ask somebody and you're right you could pull the stuff out the yeah, box and get to like, working in production though 
and production, like the whole culture was like, yo, Mike, look what I figured out. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, well, check this out. Look what I figured out. Mm-hmm. And that, like yeah. that, and that, 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 a lot of that is lost. Yep. A lot yeah. of that is lost. And it, but it, but I think, I don't, I don't want to say it's completely lost. I think that there's just a difference in, you know, the millennials versus, you know, a different age group, you know, of mm-hmm. people and musicians and there's a gap, you know, and so some of that does get lost, but like we're talking about, it's everybody wants that, you know, instant gratification. That's the problem. And yeah. the thing is, is that with music and production and everything else, that's not how that works. And people get misled because you have a lot of other people that come into this business with a lot of money behind them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some rich Arab kid whose dad is a sheik somewhere, right. you know, buys him a fucking million dollar studio, hires him like five or 10 ghost staff. producers and engineers, <laughs> right. you know, to come and make his music for him and just make him a popular star, like, you know, overnight. And yeah, if you have that kind of money, That's yeah, you could do that, you know, but the thing is, is that all these other, you know, aspirational musicians are looking at that as the standard like that. Oh, that's how that happens. It's easy, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you get all the, well, just show me how to do this. Like, how do I do this one thing? And it's like, don't you want to learn about the actual instrument? No, I just want to know how to do this one thing. And so they're very tunnel visioned and closed minded about it. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, un- too. It's a, I'm sorry, there's a lot of unrealistic expectations also. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a guy, I, I was showing him machine and I said, well, what is your goal for the month? What, like, what do you want to see happen in a month? He was just like, I want to master machine and Ableton in a month. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I, sleeping I was like, whoa. <laughs> but it was just so unrealistic. And I was just like, where are you getting this information from? Like, it takes years to master. Master? Mm-hmm. I always, I, take I, always tell month, people, like, I haven't even mastered all of my stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm still That's learning. It's a constant learning experience. You're never going to be a real musician will always tell you that he is never going to be 100% at knowing everything because that's just not true. You know, it, it's impossible. Technology is always changing. Yeah. And it's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne named Randy Rhodes, right? Really famous guitarist. Mm -hmm. Um, Really fantastic guitarist. And um, there's a story that every town that he would go to on tour, he would find like a really great guitar teacher in that town and have him teach him something while he was there. Dope. Like, you know, this is a guy who was at the top of his class, but never wanted to stop learning, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I look at I look at people like Jeff Beck and like like some of these really great virtuoso style um, performers. And the one thing they all have in common is none of them ever stop learning. Like they all really, really enjoy what they're doing to the point where they have a hunger constantly to keep learning. You know, and I, I always feel, I, I always feel like once I stop learning, it's over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to constantly be fed and. Inf- Huh? I said once you stop wanting to learn, that's that's a problem. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, you should always have that 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 curiosity. Like it to me, it's like exploring space. Like music will never. It, it's not it's not finite. Like it's it's infinite, and and you yeah. can 
discovering new things, new emotions. Here's the the thing to add to that, too. Not only is it like that with music and your creativity, but technology like magnifies that exponentially. Right. Because, you know, that's the thing. Everybody's running around talking about like. You know, it always kills me when I see, like, why doesn't it have this feature? Why doesn't it have that feature? Now, you know, there's some of us that are going to him and her, me, I'm guilty of it, too. But the, the key is, I see a lot of people saying that, and you're like, I know for a fact you're not going to use that. <laughs> you're not going to use this, that, and the other. And people like him and her about all of these features. And the, the deal is, with technology and, and with creativity, you can always go deeper. And, like, for instance, you could just choose any one piece of gear that any one of us has, and you you could probably say today I'm going to learn something new about that thing. And no matter how long you've had it and how well you use it, you could probably always dig deeper into that bit of technology and learn something else, how to use something else. Um, it's probably not in my studio if I can't say that. Yeah, that, that's, that's you know a good point. Because at that point, then to me, it, it, it would be, it would be too boring. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can say that about my roads. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to have a lot of features. Mm-hmm. It can just be, you know, something as simple as well. Let me practice my technique. You know? Let yeah, me but the, and the thing with something like the roads is. The rose is inspiring, no matter yeah. what. You know what I mean? You, you could sit at the roads and mistakenly hit something and be like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And really like get down. See, but Corey, but Corey you, you make a good point. You said the roads is inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of cats with, with like beat making and, and the production, like like beats part of the thing. I, I find that people buy gear based on Oh, well, I saw you with it, mm-hmm. so I went and bought it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? As opposed to, well, I touched this thing and it inspired me and it, and it made me feel something, mm-hmm. so now I'm going to actually use it. Because if it doesn't inspire you, like you said, yep. you're gonna it's going to sit there and collect dust. Yep. You know what I mean? It's true. Well, that's like the age-old and, thing. And I don't, I don't think, that's like... Yeah I, don't people, think yeah, I don't think cats are picking out... Like, I don't think they're really understanding this stuff... These things are instruments and tools that you sh- that should inspire you, not because the colors and the lights are blinging. You know, it's like. Well, yeah, I mean, like I like I was gonna say, this is like the age old thing of where I'm gonna buy Jordans because it's gonna make me jump higher, and I see Michael Jordan wearing them. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. The same thing. Oh, you know, like it's when Fruity Loops, you know, started getting really popular. Oh, well, Ninth Wonder uses it, so I gotta use it too. You know, and then they don't know shit about MIDI or anything else. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get it because, you know, you know, they think that it's going to make them sound, you know, like that producer. And the reality is, is you could sound like that producer if you want. But do you want to sound like that producer or do you want to sound like you? Mm -hmm. You know, and you can pretty much replicate those sounds with anything. But you have to learn what the process is to get to that point. Yeah. You know, so, and it's and two is about kind of uh, finding your identity, but in the production sense, right? That's not always easy um, to for for people to find their production identity mm-hmm. or even the the techniques that you use. Um, and obviously, that comes from exploring and stuff and kind of knowing uh, some of your gear, knowing the the features, but also kind of going. Because I remember Stony, I was talking to you one time about how I use programs on the MPC, how I stack things and change different things. Like there's a certain way I do, it. and to me, it's like that. That's normal. But times that I've told people 
people about it. Like, why do you do that? What's that? But I mean, it's just over time, I found that an easy way to work and it kind of works out for the way I need to do things. But see, that's the magic in kind of getting to know yourself, getting to know the gig, starting to know what works for you. But it ain't going to happen unless you jump in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't well, go well, lot, to Mike Trans and be like, yo, Mike, that, I got this thing. Tell me how to do the most five important things and I'm off to the races. Then I'm always going to be doing just those things. I'm never going to really dig deeper and explore and see what what I'm on, you know? Yep. Yeah, but it goes back to what you're saying, Corey, about, you know, self-realization and finding your voice mm -hmm. in, in anything that you're doing. Because um, as long as you, you're not following your own voice, if I change up, you know, I got people literally come to me like, oh, I see you using the push. Oh, um, you don't use machine anymore. So you use push now. OK, and then I'm going to jump on push. I've been using push mm -hmm. since the first push. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I've been using, I use everything, but they, they don't see me use it publicly, but you don't worry about what I'm using. Mm -hmm. Follow your own and then make friends. Yeah. Have, have a bunch of friends that use a bunch of different things to yeah. explore, like mm -hmm. make, make like come out of your zone, come out of your comfort zone and see what else is out there. I think really cool that's to collaborate with somebody who, who approaches their gear or uses things in a very different way from you, even in ways that like, like I used to have debates with friends of mine where I, you know, we, we would argue back and forth kind of jokingly, um, you know, you're doing that wrong. You, you should be doing it this way and vice versa, you know, and, and we get into like heated debates about what the better workflow is and that sort of thing. Belt drive but, turntables. When you collaborate, with, <laughs> like, it's, it really opens your mind up to, you know, there isn't just one way of doing not a yes or no question, you know, this huge gray and multicolored area in between. And you know, if you, have, if you have inspiring people around you, oh man, it's the best. Especially like if you work with somebody who's really good at one instrument and you focus on a different instrument and then they might take a line in a song that you would have never even heard. Like you don't even hear that, that you know, that melody, that rhythm inside of this music that you've been working on. And then they go there and, and it's just like, oh, well then maybe next time it'll open you up a little bit more to that style of working, you know? That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's true. I think what, what Ken mentioned about like the different interface of the different instruments uh, really influencing what you might come up with is a really good point as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, even when you're talking about just like controllers or, you know, if you want to call them like DAW integrated workflows, if you just have like, you know, the Ableton thing or, you know, machine uh, with its software, you've got like two somewhat different interfaces that have a lot of things in common, you still might come up with a really different idea, right? Yeah, it can Just change your approach totally. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that goes back to like when people ask me, well, which DAW do you use? <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, at the moment, like I pretty much know how to use all of them because I've had to work, you know, in all of them because I've had to sound design for all these different companies and whatnot. But, you know, I have my three, you know, primary, you know, DAWs that I work in, you know, on a right, actually just two now, you know, and they each, you know, inspire me in a different way and help me write. What, what certain, two is that, Mike? What, what? What two are that? What two? What two dogs and why? Why and how do they inspire you? Well, the three tools that I mainly use, I use Ableton Live, Logic, 
and machine. And I always tell people that machine has always been my, like, my scratch pad. Like, that's where I jot down, you know, ideas and things really quick. And I kind of just save them in there and, and then I can throw it back into the DAW and kind of really, you know, flush out the rest of the idea and then take it from there. You know, with Ableton, it, it really depends on what I'm working on, you know, but remixing and all those kinds of things where I want to get really creative and knock things out quick. I always jump on Ableton and I've been using Ableton since version two. And, um, yeah. you know, with Logic, you know, I, I've. I started back in Logic 7 and, you know, as it, as it progressed, you know, I, I would always use it, but I wasn't always 100% satisfied with the audio engine in it. And then I hated having to do things through the environment, you know, to get certain things to work a certain way. Um, yeah. Once they simplified that in Logic Pro 10, you know, I for me, I felt like it definitely made it more, you know, approachable from my workflow. And so I've gone to Logic now and I use Logic to pretty much replace Pro Tools. I used to be a Pro Tools user, but I would use Pro Tools only for all of my voiceover, you know, sound design kind of things. That's all I would use Pro Tools for. What was that? Is it for like linear stuff? Yeah, like Pro Tools, I only used it strictly. Like I would always track vocals, voiceover, all that kind of stuff, commercials, everything that I did voiceover wise was always done in Pro Tools. But I got sick of Avid's bullshit, you know, with with all their updates and how they were, you know, monopolizing things and, (laughs) you know, and now having to make you pay for a subscription. I'm not going to be paying $400 every year. That's ridiculous. Sam was mentioning that last time I talked to him. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I just so Mike, so Mike, you're 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 telling me that you you literally mix in Logic. You don't go into Pro Tools at all. I don't go into Pro Tools. Wow. Well, yeah, I've actually, you know what, I'm a, I'm, I've always used Logic myself when it was eMagic, you know, and, and oh, yeah. you know, that, oh, sh- that, oh. that is the reason that I went to Mac and have, have not looked back because Apple bought Logic mm-hmm. and I was like, that's what I use. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? That's just what I use. And I know a lot of people have always been like Pro Tools, Pro Tools, Pro Tools, but I just have always used Logic and it's worked out. So yeah, I've mixed four albums in there. I specifically just because of how Apple is taking that whole prosumer approach now and I I started getting a little bit about the direction that they're going so I said you know what I don't want to be tied both to their hardware and their software so I decided I wanted to leave and um, that was actually around the time uh, I guess it was Studio One version 2 and Pro Tools 10 and I was messing with both of those I think Stoney even Got me, uh, got me a copy of Pro Tools 10 at the time, and I had. Well, damn. Well, thanks, Ken. Thanks for making it public, man. <laughs> well, it, it was to try it out, and I tried both of them at the same time. I'll be waiting for a few emails now. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, Wait, we are live, Ken. <laughs> and I tried them both for like two or three weeks, and I was like. Studio One just like to me felt like what Logic should have been, like where Logic should have gone. And, wow! And then when Studio One version three came out, it, it just sealed the deal. I was like, okay, well, all my linear stuff goes into Studio One now. Like that's that's my that's my linear platform. Ableton is my more esoteric, like you know, building 
building more complete tracks than machine but you know it's you know it's it's kind of both and then machine is like you know like mike said like that's my immediate scratch pad like i can i can produce in machine so fast like i can get so i really i can get just about a complete beat done in it but then there's things like automation and no linear tracks for you know vocals and that kind of thing oh here he goes y'all he's going in but (laughs) matter of fact i gotta run so uh Thanks for having me on, but I got to run because I'm actually in the process of uh, fixing up a house that I'm hopefully moving into soon. So I got to I got to run and get back to it. Otherwise, people will be. Bye, Kendo. Thanks for joining, Ken. Hey, it's great great seeing you guys all again. Next show, we got to have you show off that uh, refrigerator sized uh, modular case. We'll we'll get to that when you're at the at the crib. Hopefully next show, I can show you guys something else. That's that's very. Uh, oh, we'll she's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> more is more. More is more. All right, Ken, that's your new T-shirt. So, so <laughs> hey, on that, I wanted to get around, Mike. Um, you were working on a new VST recently, right? You want to talk about that a little bit? What's the uh, name of that? Yeah, VST? yeah. Um, so just just to recap real quick, I forgot to mention one thing. I've actually been mixing a lot of stuff in Harrison Mixbus. So I've been okay. bouncing out my stems from like Ableton wow. and even with Logic and running them through uh, Harrison Mixbus, and that shit right there is pretty amazing you'll hear a huge huge difference in just just running it through there and bouncing the stuff down what is it what's up what well, i'm not familiar yeah is it hardware or software it's software oh okay so i don't know if you guys have ever heard of harrison mix consoles but you know they've pretty much all the big you know, movie houses and everything all run Harrison mix consoles. Um, Michael Jackson's like a lot of his albums were all mixed on Harrison uh, mix bus consoles. Is this a doll mic? I'm looking at it. Yeah. They, so they were initially just a hardware company. And so they've now ported all their technology. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They've now ported all of their stuff into software. And I got to tell you, this stuff sounds really amazing. So you're using this as what you're putting this. I take my stems. Yeah. I take my stems, drop it into here and then do the final mix and then bounce it out through here. Nice. What's the, what's the price point on this thing? Is it when I initially bought in, when they just launched, I got it for like 50 bucks. But now, you know, and I have that, I have both. I have Mixbus three and then I have Mixbus 32 C. And each of them has right. a different kind of color, you know, and how it processes the audio and the summing that it does. It's it's seriously like some magic hocus pocus, you know, going on in there. But it, it sounds really, really good. Wow. That's dope. I have to check I that out. Yeah. yeah. Like I would, I would recommend like if you do something in Logic or whatever, like bounce it out of Logic without anything on your master bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take the stems out of Logic. So do one bounce down in Logic, mm-hmm. and then take those stems and bounce them down through Mixbus without anything else, and just do a bounce, and then compare side by side, 
and you'll hear like a dramatic difference between the two. Wow. So it's, it's like summing, basically. It's a summing because that, that's actually I've been wanting um, and been wishing that because I have uh, UAD stuff yep. <clears throat> and I've been wanting them to have a summing bus mixer or something like that. And nothing, <laughs> nothing yet, yeah. you know. Wow. But yeah, this is dope. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, you should probably give it a spin and stuff. I, you know, I really like it. Yeah. Um, but back to the the plugin. So I started working with. I've always worked with the guys from Vengeance Sound uh, for many years on you know doing videos and like sound design for them on a lot of their you know plugins and stuff. And so in August, I you know got hit up. Uh, from them about a new, you know, software synth that they were developing and working on at the time. And, uh, you know, they wanted me to do some sounds for it and then, you know, possibly do the official um, overview video for it. So that was for the Vengeance. It's called the Vengeance VPS Avenger. And I got to tell you, the synth on this thing and watching it develop over the last uh, couple of months, uh, it's been really amazing to see, you know, how it's developed, uh, the things that have been added in and the possibilities of where this could go. It's essentially a, you know, some people have asked me, like, exactly what is it like, you know, is it a you know, is it subtractive synthesis or like, what really is it? And the only thing I could really say is that it does a bunch of different things. Like it does your typical virtual analog kind of stuff. Um, it also does subtractive additive. Um, it does FM, it does wavetable. It functions as a sampler, you know, a drum machine and everything. And, you know, every, if most people don't, maybe they don't know, but um, the guys from Vengeance pretty much do all of the sounds and were responsible for a lot of the development of um, Nexus, you know, and Nexus 2. Hmm. So I can see that here in Avenger, you really don't need Nexus. Like if you're on the fence of buying, let's say, Nexus 2 and Avenger, um, I would just say, you know, if you went with Avenger, you're pretty much getting all the sounds and things that you would find in Nexus. And if you're already a Nexus owner, you're going to really love Avenger because, as everybody knows, Nexus is simply just a rompler. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you just yep. simply play back samples. That's all it really is. Um, right. You don't have a lot of deep editing capabilities um, like a typical synthesizer. So in Avenger, you have the rompler capabilities, but... They've, you know, you basically have access to every single nook and cranny within that sound. So, you know, you're not limited, you know, how you are within Nexus. Mm -hmm. um, you can literally go in and change and sculpt the sound in any way, shape or form that you like. Um, it's nice. it's pretty in depth and it's almost impossible to try and, you know, sum it up and everything. But, it, you know, essentially you have up to eight oscillators that you can insert in there and each oscillator has its own set of effects inserts and things like that you can do chord functions as well as what they call the v-saw which is like um roland's classic mm -hmm. you know jp8000 the super saw and so when you start doing that that is all per oscillator so you start thinking about the amount of voices and processing that's happening if you have eight oscillators that have the chord function on it as well as the v-saw which is and so when you start doing that that is all per oscillator 
So you start hey, thinking Pete. about the amount of voice. Welcome to the Welcome show, to man. The show, put put the uh, video on mute. Getting some feedback over there. Okay. Yeah, cool. I was like, I'm talking over and over like an endless loop. <laughs> Mom, I can hear matrix. myself on the radio. <laughs> but you know, one what's interesting about what you're saying is is this is this uh this particular VST is it kind of like competition for Omnisphere? Mm, no, nah, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Omnisphere is definitely a, a different beast, but you can do some very, very cool things in it that are similar mm -hmm. to some things that you can do within Omnisphere. So, but, you know, I think Omnisphere and Avenger are just kind of apples and oranges a bit. Okay. Like okay. you could do a lot of stuff in Omnisphere, but I think the engines and the process of how you go about, you know, doing everything is a little bit different, but, you know, I, and I think it's definitely two different types of, you know, musicians that would, you know, find or be, you know, or that would gravitate towards Omnisphere 2 or mm -hmm. Avenger. That's just my opinion. Right. So that means um, that if that's the case, well, it sounds like, you know, obviously I'm looking at the specs here because I got the site up. Um, mm -hmm. Vengeance-sound.com. So, yeah, I'm looking at this thing is mad powerful. So that's why it would make me think like, huh, because I know that, you know, Omnisphere is a really powerful synth engine VST and, it, you know, the sampling and wavetable stuff. All you, this stuff I mean, you could do. definitely do some Omnisphere type stuff in here. That's for sure. You know, there, there's definitely, I would say, yeah, you know, it, it could put some, a little competition towards it, you know, a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. especially at the, you know, the price point that it's at, but, you know, the modulation possibilities within Avenger, it's, it's pretty deep. Mm -hmm. Looks like it. But the way that they designed the interface makes it pretty simple. Okay. Like literally you can just drag and drop from any knob or any section on the synth and just you know this wire shows up and now you just send it to wherever you want so it's almost like a like like a modular cable where you can oh. take this cable and just patch it into this and patch it into here mm -hmm. and everything that you do as you start you know assigning these you know the sources and the destinations all of this stuff shows up in the mod matrix window mm -hmm. and from there you even have more control and capability of how much of that you know, LFO or SEN that you want to actually have modulate or whatnot. And then there's even more um, sources and destinations that are in the mod matrix that aren't visibly available, like right there on the interface screen. Mm -hmm. So, but the effects on it are pretty amazing. Uh, they got the same kind of reverb algorithm that you find in Nexus because it's developed by uh, Arts Acoustic. But they also have like six other new vintage emulated effects that Arts Acoustic did for them. Um, so it sounds really good. You have like insert effects, you have send effects, and then you even have like a master bus effect. Wow. You know, so that you can really shape the sound, you know, in any way, you know, that you like. Um, the other thing that's really interesting with it, too, is that any oscillator or wave uh, waveform that you load up within an oscillator, um, you can pretty much bend the waveform in any shape. Like, and you just start coming up with all kinds of like crazy sounds, you know, and, and then once you start modulating things, I mean, it gets pretty insane. That's you know, so up. you could essentially come up with some massive, like, really 
you know, long drones and have all these things that are modulating and very dynamic and kind of processing over time. Um, That's what I like, that kind of generative feel. That's actually what I've been finding myself into lately, especially the more I've gotten into modular, like the idea of, you know, from my background of working on, uh, you know, whatever groove boxes or whatever, you know, you're working on your four, your eight bar, your whatever you're, you're working on, and you can kind of string those things together. But what I what I'm starting to really dig is the generative music element, where you modulate things and things happen over time, or where you know, even with like some of the uh, electron gear, where yeah. you you know you got. P-locks and probability and all this kind of different things. So when you start getting into that, then like your music starts, like happy accidents happen, then, you know, some good planned things can happen. And at the end of the day, you got a really interesting piece of music more often. Yeah. And the the other thing that makes it really interesting too, you know, what you're talking about. Um, So like I said, you can have, you know, eight oscillators, you know, that you add in. And each of these oscillators, I mean, it really, they, they kind of act as their own individual synth, like inside this big shell, because you have modulation envelopes that have sequencers on them. You have step sequencers and you have arpeggiators. And each of those, you can have eight of each. So eight mod envelopes with a sequencer. You can have eight step sequencers and you can have eight arpeggiators. Each arpeggiator has four patterns within it that it can switch between. And each of those can be assigned to an individual oscillator. So if you want to have this massive performance of a bass sound playing, doing one thing, then you got the drum sequencer that's playing like a beat. And then you want to have the pads modulating over time. Hmm. And you want to have, let's say, like the step sequencer that's controlling the effects and reverbs and things like that that are only being activated on certain steps. I mean, it... (laughs) It's pretty insane and, and and deep and how you can go in and create this massive, what I would call performance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, like back in, when I was working at Roland, anytime that you would, you know, layer any of those 16 parts within a keyboard, let's say like on the Phantom, you know, and have multi different, you know, key zone layers and all these things happening that you could save all of that as a performance. You could essentially do the same thing on Avenger, you know, you have bass drum sequence playing and all these different step sequencers and all this stuff happening when you simply strike one chord and then save that it's pretty, pretty, uh, massive and intense you know and and how much you can really do with it and when you first look at the interface here you know it there's a lot of stuff going on there but when you really start to dig in deep it's like there's so much that you can do uh with shaping the sound and creating this really great performance that you know you come up with all kinds of stuff and then i found myself creating like a really in-depth kind of sound that has all this stuff going on and then what i do is i sample it onto another track and then I start cutting that up into, you know, different sections and then take that and drop it right back into Avenger as a sample and trigger it. And then you have all of these other functions to add, you know, on top of that. So it's again, it's all about exploring, you know, and really learning the instrument. But there's a lot that it can do. And, and I definitely think that um, it's going to put some competition out there with things like, um, you know, massive, you know, especially extra record serum. Um, you know, cause it kind of does all of that. Like people have asked me, you know, it's basically massive Salanth serum nexus all rolled up into one. Dang. 
<laughs> and what all does this run on? It runs on uh, Mac and PC. Yeah, it runs yes. Mac and Mac and PC, and it's VST, uh, AU, and AAX for Pro Tools. That actually sounds pretty dope, man. I want to check that out. I mean, you know, it's always cool to have new tools, and that looks like it could possibly take my attention where I may not touch a few other things for a while, for a good long while. I mean, um, wow, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Nice. So, I, I mean, I definitely had fun, you know, you because know, obviously in doing an overview video, you know, for a product, you really have to go in and dig deep into the product and find out everything about it so that you can figure out, you know, what you want to showcase in the video and whatnot. So that was a really cool learn to see how, you know, it does everything and, you know, and just to see the, uh, the potential of what you could do with this thing. Um, and the overall sound quality is just, you know, great. So I think it, it appeals to, yeah, I think it appeals to the more experienced uh, sound designer who's very familiar with synthesis, but it also appeals to the beginner because the interface is pretty simple and straightforward that it allows you to kind of understand what's happening and how you're programming. And then for somebody who isn't a designer and doesn't want to really spend time programming the sounds, the factory presets that it comes with are just amazing right out of the box. And they're already a bunch of expansions that they've developed for it as well so the now, same you, way that people love some, nexus did you do some up? sound design for it yeah i okay. did so okay. they're included in the factory presets nice I, I love that you can like load samples in it and reshape and yep that's yeah. where it gets fun yeah to combine the synthesis aspect of it with the sampling and Oh my God, it's like endless. Yeah, and there's a, there's an FFT feature in there, and that basically breaks down the sound that you have loaded within an oscillator uh, into two. Now, can you now can you can you create the shapes and save the the shape the forms that you have and apply yeah. them to new samples? Yeah, you can create your own wavetables. You oh. can import yeah. your own wavetables as well. And once you have them imported, as you start, you know, with a initialized patch you can import that wavetable into there and then that's combine great. it with eight oscillators if you oh, like, you know, and really come up with your own customized sounds. That's endless. Yeah. Totally yeah. endless. What, what were you beginning to say about the FFTs and the oscillators? Yeah, so it has an F in as it the sound into 250 bands of the frequency spectrum. And what that allows you to do is to go in and really take out specific in the sound. And what you come up with is like, you know, you're kind of really going into the DNA of a sound somewhat, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's three modes of the FFT. You have been um, harmonic and then freeform where you can just get a pen and you just start drawing and shaping. And that's kind of like what absinthe, you know, does. You know, so you you do get like absinthe and some other stuff in there because you have subtractive and additive, you know, synthesis built in. Um, but it really allows you to go in and take like, let's say you take a vocal sample and you drop it through the FFT and you start, you know, messing around with the harmonics and, you know, kind of drawing in the frequency spectrums. And you could literally take that sound and shape it into something else completely like where you have, you know, like this organ tone that you got from like a voice or something like that. You know, it, it's pretty cool. And again, it, 
there's so much stuff that you could do. And I think there's even like some sort of like a, you can assign the step sequencer to that. So you can do some really crazy shit, you know, where you have, <laughs> you know, the frequencies and the harmonics doing certain things. And then the step sequencer is triggering that shit. So your sound is constantly changing oh, in its character, man. not just filters and all this other stuff. It's pretty badass. <laughs> wow. That's that's pretty nuts, man. You you selling this thing pretty good, and I see it's got ten out of ten. Um, where was it that it got ten out of ten? I see. On computer music or something good. like that. That's yeah. the future music, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's it's done pretty well out there. People are loving it. It's, I mean, dude, it sounds really good, and the presets that it, like I like I was saying, like the people that bought Nexus simply for the presets because they just like to pull up presets and go. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the same. It's the same thing. It has all the great presets because these guys are also making all the big records. They know exactly what sounds to put in there, you know, the popular stuff right. and everything. So all of that stuff is in there, you know. And it's like if all you want is presets, that's great. You know, it comes with like over eight hundred. 50 you know out of the box and then they have all the expansions and i got but, i just you know, got a question you, you, here too about the the what's the cpu hit like from what i saw it's it's kind of tough to tell because you know at, i was using it since uh since august and obviously as time went you know they were still developing and there was bugs and things and it would tax it hard sometimes and they kept dropping it back dropping it back and dropping it back so i think from the last time that i loaded it up it wasn't super heavy on the cpu at all actually mm -hmm. and i had some projects running where i had several instances of avenger running at the same time you know and well, i had a each telltale sign that it can load several instances without you know banging your, your cpu is pretty good yeah and each instance i had more than one oscillator running okay so they were pretty full like you know um in-depth patches that were running and it still wasn't like you know choking the system or anything like that so i think it's pretty much optimized you know to you know be somewhat light but of course you know the more that you start adding in and adding in and adding in you know it's it's very dependent on your system as well so you know that that's i would probably recommend that you know you have a lot of uh ram available because it does use you know samples and wavetables and things like that and a lot of the factory presets use you know samples and things like that too so having ample you know ram available to load that up you know obviously is going to be another factor that's what's up that's what's up, man. I'm glad you came on the show for that. Like, you know, it's good conversation anyway, all the time. But, <laughs> but that's a good introduction to that that piece. It's real dope. Uh, multi timbral as well, too. Yeah, should be right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing too is that there is um, you can. It's in the system settings, and you can go and select uh, specific key zones. So let's say in the lower octave, you can set that key zone specifically for the drum sequencer and sampler. And then you can have other zones mapped out just to specific oscillators. Hmm. So if you wanted to have the bass in the middle section, your pads in the upper section, and then let's say some violins or something on the top, and then the drums way at the bottom, and you have an 88 note keyboard, you could totally map it out for a badass performance that way. Wow. That's ill. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, this thing has just got, it keeps on giving. The more we talk about it, the better it sounds, the better it gets. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to kind of explain it all, you know, mm -hmm. because there's, you know, so much to it. 
you know, that it's kind of hard to just, I think you, I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and even with that though, it seems like there's so much more too, because I'm looking at the specs The specs is like, you know, dream VST specs. You know what I mean? Like all the stuff. If yeah, somebody right. asks you, what would you do if you were designing your own VST? What would you put in? You know, the, the tendency is to, we'll say all these massive things that we want to put into something and then it mm-hmm. is never feasible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But this seems to tick a lot of boxes. It's some stuff that nobody, oh. I mean, it just said 867 oscillator shapes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, crazy. it's pretty nuts, man. I mean, you, now, the, now what is the price point on this thing? How much is this thing? 220 is what I see yes. on the website, 220 US. Uh, and it looks like they have That's a 20% bad. off uh, holiday sale right now, too. That's actually really good. Yeah, for, for everything that you get on it and what it can do, yeah. it's it's pretty badass. And that's not a bad price at all. That's what's up. So uh, I wanted to also talk to, um, well, first, let's, uh, hey, what's up, Pete? Where you at, man? Uh, I'm right here. Word. Welcome to the let's- show. Uh, thank you for having me. Word. Let, let's show off well, that. I, I, let's show off that thing you're rocking right there on your chest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Word up. Word up. Yeah. So, welcome to the show, man. It's, it's good to have you. you. I, I, I guess that the the dog talk enticed you, huh? Yeah. Once once I heard the Harrison, I was like, yo, I I gotta talk on that because I I experienced the Harrison console back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be an in house producer for Forceful Records, which was owned by Full Force. Mm-hmm. So at Brooklyn Sound Lab, we worked on uh, ex girlfriend's album, Show Pepsi Riley, Full Force, uh, Jasmine Guy, Force MDs. Like we worked on all that stuff on the Harrison console, mm-hmm. and. I have I have not used it. I have a license for the older version of the Harrison software, but uh, I can confirm that it sounds like the console. Yep. I can confirm that. So I was like really excited and I was like, yo, I got to jump in here when well, I, yeah, thanks, they, they thanks got that Mike new they, they have a the spending our money today. <laughs> Yeah, they um they're uh, they just released their new it's like a a dynamic compressor and uh two new plugins that they just released and my partner Jim got them and and I was listening to it and we did a test. We took the um the George Michael CD and it was for the song I believe it was I Want Your Sex and we noticed that when we would hear it on the radio it sounds good. You know, it's mixed well, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we noticed that on the actual CD, the snare hits really, really hard hmm. to the point where, like, it could, you know, if you're bumping it, it could clip your monitors a little bit if you're metering because the snare hits way too hard, hmm. which we thought was kind of weird that it actually got put to CD that way. Um, so we took the new dynamic compressor that they have i'm not sure i think it's called the spectral compressor i think that's what it's called and dude we took the straight we ripped it off cd we put the wave inside harrison um mixed the 32c we ran it and we put that spectral compressor on the master bus and assigned it just to that frequency range where that snare was and i swear to god we didn't really do shit to the settings or anything on it 
and that fucking record sounded exactly like the way that it sounds on the radio where the snares and everything were tamed just right it balanced it all out it didn't suck the life out of it we were just like on the floor like holy shit like wow man because we didn't touch it like it was just that fucking good on point already straight out the yeah it was already on point so it's like now you know, that's my thing. My next paycheck, I'm going to go buy the damn spectral compressor mm-hmm. because I was just like, holy shit, man. Like, it sounds that good. Like, oh. it just knew exactly it. It was able to analyze what was coming in and it knew what was wrong. And it kind of just went in there and just tamed it all. And it it just kept everything like it kept the punchiness of everything else. It It's like it just went in and surgically took that section with the snare and just calmed it down and let it blend right into the rest of the mix. It was so good. Nice. Spectral Compressor XTCS. I see it here. That's it. Yep. How much is it anyway? Uh, let's see. Oh, where's the price? I don't see a price. Oh, now that's the mix bus. Hold on. Let's see. This is 159 Yeah, $159. That's, that's, uh, it's, that's worth it. I gotta tell you, so that my next paycheck, man, I'm picking that up. That's for sure. Nice. That sounds. Who sounds makes this? Like uh, Harrison. Harrison. So yeah, that's it right there. The spectral compressor. Yeah. Mm. Now see, that's that's one of those little secret weapons right there. <laughs> yeah. That. Yep. It is. Okay. So I'm, I want to get it and start testing it on some other stuff. Even run some of my old tracks, you know, through it. That's what's happening. So, Is it okay if I say something? Go for it, man. Uh, two things. One, Stony, you had a video last week of a beat that you was working on. That shit was badass. I just got to say you. it right now. Thank you so that much. Was I appreciate bad ass. And Jam, I told you this last night, and I'm gonna say it again. You are a nut in a very good way. I would say pause, but maybe y'all don't pause. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Sam recently got the uh, Profit 2002 modules, and I, I'm he like, where the hell did he? Where do you find that, dude? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Sam. Sam has a a, a a museum of ill stuff over there. Like, <laughs> so I'm never surprised at what he finds and unearths. And and usually, and actually, not usually. Like every time, everything he comes up on, it's in pristine quality. Now I don't know if he digs this stuff out the dumpster and go get somebody to refurb it for him, or <laughs> somehow finds it that way. Yo, core, you know Sam got some shit. You see how he sits there? He's like. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I am really getting into these old samplers more and more and more. And uh, what I can really say about them is that they combine a lot of the things that we love. There's the sequencing. There is the lo-fi sound. There's the not-so-lo-fi sound in some of them. They uh, have analog filters. And, you know, some of them have the kind of key mapping thing that we were talking about as well, where you can... You know, just trigger it all from one piece and you can have all your different samplers have different maps, you know, for your drums and your bass and everything. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, if you have a sequencer like your MPC or off the track, whatever you want to use, and you have, uh, 
you know, your sounds coming from hardware, the software you use matters a lot less, maybe. You know, if you're converting it, you might be able to switch to this Harrison mix bus thing we've been talking about or any new DAW that you want to work with somebody through or whatever, kind of without issue. As long as you can sync your stuff up by a MIDI, you know, it's, it's you no longer, you know, relying on any of its sort of built-in workflow so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I've gotten really into, you know, making beats on one sampler or one combination of samplers or something. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, I feel as though it loves me back a little bit as a musical instrument because you throw stuff into it and it'll often give you something out that you didn't necessarily put in, mm-hmm. which I, I really enjoy. So let me ask now you. Now I have a Sam. question for you, Sam. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go for it. Go for it. Hey, just real quick, guys. I, I got a I got a split. I got my son's birthday party today, so that is not um, important, Mike. <laughs> Happy birthday! Yeah. No, just yeah, birthday. but uh, I just wanted to you know kind of give you guys the information you know about Avenger a little bit and stuff. And I so. appreciate that, man. I'm glad you came through. You're always welcome. Like I said, and uh, it's always a good time having you, man. Thanks for stopping through, and happy birthday to your son. Thank you very much. Have a good day, everybody. All right, be easy. See you guys later. Bye. Peace. Actually, you know, let me oh, tell you guys, I- hold, one, one second, I, I'm just going to say, like, as we're rotating through here, I kind of dig this kind of rotating, revolving door of, of guess how this is happening today. It started out, you know, me and Stoney, <laughs> Ken's popped in a couple times, Sam jumped in, Mike is there, then, you know, Pete is there, now now Ken's gone, and, and you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, it's, it's uh, Mike is gone and stuff. So, this is kind of interesting kind of way we're doing this, and it's, it's keeping the conversation fresh. Now, no further ado, though, Sony. What's your question to Sam? Now, now, this is probably off kilter, but because I'm looking at Sam's turntable in the back, yeah. I recently, I recently pulled out my um, damn. What kind of turntable do I have? It's a USB turntable that I have, and it, shit, I should just go get the mic. TTX. Is that a? Is, is that the belt drive? Uh, new mark? Is that the straight arm? Um, I don't know. It's on. really dope, though. It's got like some blue, and I can do tempo changing on it. And oh, oh, you talking about the, the TTX USB? Yeah, have, TTX something, yeah. XL, whatever. I, now, I have let me ask those. No, yeah, okay. <laughs> Showing off. <now. laughs> no, I'm just telling you. I mean, go ahead, show off, nigga. Like. <laughs> um, but my question to Sam was, well, I guess anyone of you could answer it. Um, I just I just pulled it out as I was doing some some sampling stuff. I hadn't used the turntable in years, and um, okay. and I was just like, I've been I've hooked it up USB, and the quality seemed pretty good. But I was wondering if I should use my Technique twelve tens instead of the USB. Okay. Like, is there a real is there going to be a real big difference in me? Just going directly into my sound card with the 1210, or should I really just stick with the USB? Yeah, I think that your sound card might sound a lot better. You know, people do a lot of hi-fi turntable setups just for listening and stuff like that. But for, you know, DJing and beat making, I, I think that the 1210 is maybe never the wrong choice. Um, in terms of all the turntables that are out right now, there's uh, all these sort of um, super OEM sort of Technics clones, and a bunch of them have an ultra pitch as well, meaning they have like extended pitch range. 
Right. And that's really useful for sampling and for complicated scratches and stuff because you can make the record go very slow or very fast and then pitch it up or down or, you know, your releases when you're scratching go really slow. The thing that I'm really excited about in turntables that I would say that you should check out is there are mods and even some turntables. They don't really make them right now, but Vestax turntables available and mods for techniques in Vestax where you can plug a MIDI cable in and then play the pitch up and down. Really? And that Yeah, and that... That's sick. That's really sick. So if you have a song in E and your you know, beat is an F, you can pitch it up and then cut it up. Wow. So... There's all kinds and of there's mods for that. Like somebody's making like yeah. some sort of mod or open source thing that you can open up your technique and yes, <laughs> wow, that's pretty dope. So if, if in terms of turntable specifically, that's what I'm really excited about. In terms of mixers, I still use a um, Tractor Control Z2. It's a good product. Yeah, no, I got, yeah, I've got a bunch of the Tractor but, stuff. Yeah. But I will say the Thud Rumble invader mixer which was uh, you know announced you can check it out on gadget there's an article about it that has the pc built in that is a really exciting thing so then you connect up your machine via usb and then make a beat on that yes yeah, see so it's just sample from your yeah, I, I, cause honestly honestly i i was i was playing with the, the usb one and i was just like i mean it's super nice it's really fancy but I like the 1210 better. Yeah. I just, I hated the whole, okay, I got to run the analog through the mixer, through all that. But that's just, you know, yeah, I'm going to hook my techniques up. Yeah, hook up your techniques and maybe MIDI mod it. MIDI mod the techniques? Okay, so yeah, yeah we have to exchange each other's numbers. Like, you got to send me that information because I, I, I don't know about that. So, yeah, put me on, please. Um, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Hook me up, Quick question Sam. about the... Quick question about the thund, uh, the thud rumble uh, mix. Yeah. Uh, what's the the fader as far as the curve? What is that like? Would um, you so so you know the thud rumble is you know um, DJ Qbert Yoga Frog Hard Rich. It is the uh, turntable scratching you know company. They make the slip mats we all use, butter rugs. So you can trust that the faders on. Thud Rumble gear like the TRX or the DIFS1, which is also out now the, uh. with DJ Tech. Um, you can trust that the faders are fully adjustable. The two products I just mentioned um, both have innovators in them, three of them. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So, but the, the Invader um, is, is, you know, st- still moving along, but I, I would say. In terms of the Thud Rumble mixers that are out right now, they're amazing battle mixers. The TRX in particular has a post fader direct outs, so you could actually scratch and have a beat playing, and then sample them both in separately. So there's there's a lot a lot going on. It's got fader it's got faders on the filters, so you can scratch those. You know. Now this uh, one sure. that I have up is this yeah. the production model or is this the prototype? Of the invader, yeah, that's that's the Thud Rumble Invader. I'm really excited. Mm. Yeah, with the computer screen or the computer built right in it. Not Appreciate you, Sam. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Mm. 
Hey, so yeah. Sam, I wanted to ask. Let me uh, let me pull this yeah. off of my screen. I wanted to ask you. We were just talking about your gear, and I know <clears throat> you got some some pretty dope pieces and a lot of you know what's kind of some desirable pieces. You know, you got an SP twelve hundred. And, you know, you yeah. just picked up some new things. So let me ask you, I know you develop products and, you know, all around pretty smart guy. Most of the things that you have, is it more for like R&D or is it more like production inspired just or is it kind of like a half and half thing? Oh, definitely both. You know, if, if you're uh, I got really interested in making synths a while back and I've gotten really into beat machines. And I think that as I think about it more, as I work on it more, it really, really helps to look to the things that I love or that other people love and I don't love yet and get, you know, all inspired through that. I also think that just for production, you work in a really different way when you're limited to 10 seconds of sampling time or even less on, on some other samplers. Um, working with the SP, it, you know, it's just uh, so many records that I love. Uh, and the same could be said other samplers that, you know, I've become more aware of, you know, I feel like uh, like, and we'll learn that some really alien, so what you would sort of associate with a machine kind of beat, was made back then on gear you wouldn't expect in terms of, Sam, like, imagination. Now, Sam, how are you using your SP right now? Like, you have 1200? Yeah. Using it in, just, like, straight making joints in it and, yeah, like... So, 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 what ERM multi clock? Other like, there are other, there's like the sync gen, and there's other like really via that. For that, I did Spidif. Right. And basically, go ahead. I'm sorry. Basically, what that allows you to do is you can just sort of make your beat in the SP. And then if you didn't have enough sampling time or you're revisiting it or whatever's going on, you can actually, whereby you can do like another pass and the timing will mess up. So, Yo. you know, it, it really have to use. I would also you know, say, you know, track the clock. So I would just. Is it just me or or? The, yes, the, I mean, of course. Say, you know, with like a multi-channel interface, you know, any interfaces that are available, or you can aggregate all the filter time. Oh yeah. Into 
Yeah, y'all, y'all still there? I, 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 I think we lost the broadcast. I got kicked off. Of oh, he's frozen. <laughs> Yo, Corey, you there? Max head drone. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see him moving either. Wow. Look at what's new with you, Pete. Um, working, 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 working. Hey, who was that? 